Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really happy to have you here. Remember that without you, I wouldn't have a show. So thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to my guest today, Alia Macrina Heiss. Alia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. Alia is a very interesting woman and has had a very interesting experience, which we hope that none of you breastfeeding mothers ever do have. But in case you do, we want you to know about her topic of expertise, which is a dysphoric milk ejection reflex. And some of you might call that a dysphoric let down, that is, let down is the same thing as milk ejection reflex, and either one of those terms is correct. Some people call it one, some people call it the other. But anyway, uh, you probably have had some sort of sensation when you have a letdown. And I've had many women describe it to me differently as pins and needles or a sense of pressure or a whatever, whatever words they use. But Alia has had a very different experience, which in fact is not like most people describe their letdown at all. So Alia, let's start with what does the word dysphoric mean? And then talk about a dysphoric milk ejection reflex. Sure. Well, dysphoric is the opposite of euphoric. So a lot of people are familiar with euphoric feelings and how (laughs) wonderful that is. Yes. And dysphoric emotion and emotional experience in the dysphoric sense is the exact opposite. So instead of feeling good, you do feel bad. Uh, Sadness, anxiety, um, irritation and things like that can all be part of a dysphoric emotional experience. So, in dysphoric milk ejection reflex, which is often shortened to DMER, is a negative emotional experience that is triggered by the milk ejection reflex. So, mothers with DMER often do have the physical sensations of letdown also that you're describing. But they have the added component of an emotional reaction that will happen about 60 to 90 seconds before they feel those physical signs of letdown. And there will be a sudden emotional drop. A lot of moms feel the emotional experience in the, in the pit of their stomach, the kind of feeling you get sometimes when you have that sense of dread where all of a sudden something is very, very wrong. Mm. And mothers in the beginning don't have anything to attribute it to because sometimes being able to connect it to letdown takes a while because it does happen before you feel the tingling or the rush or the baby starts gulping more. And they have this intense emotional experience that only lasts a couple minutes. Uh, Usually once the physical sensation of letdown has finished, they have rebounded from this intense and negative emotional drop and everything is rosy colored again. 
And it can be a very confusing experience for a mother. I'm sure that is very confusing. And there there must be some women who say, oh, I must be just imagining this or this is crazy. And so I guess I want you to clarify for us. It is my understanding that a dysphoric milk ejection reflex is has got a physical basis, but it is an emotional mm-hmm. experience, but you can't just talk yourself out of it. Is that true? That's exactly right. It is a physiological condition that comes with this emotional component. So it is nothing that you can rationalize yourself out of. It is chemicals and neurotransmitters in the brain that are acting inappropriately in response to the neurotransmitters and chemicals that are making the milk do what the milk is supposed to do. And mothers are having a different reaction to it than what some mothers have. Uh, And a lot of moms, when they find the information, the first words out of their mouth are, I thought I was crazy. Crazy. Yes, absolutely. And Alia, I know that you have your website. And for those of you who are listening, it's D, like dysphoric, hyphen M-E-R dot org. Alia, I'm sure that when this happened to you, you were one of the first people to write about this, as well as Sue Cox, who also is an international board certified lactation consultant. But there's really not very much literature on that. So I want to back up a little bit and say a lot of what you've learned has been through your own experience or through people who have come to your website and you've gotten feedback from them. How common is this dysphoric letdown? It's true that a lot of the information that we have right now is anecdotal based on the hundreds and hundreds of mothers that have come forward to talk about it. I worked initially with Diane Wiesinger. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sue Cox did a case report right before Diane and I ended up publishing ours. Uh, And with the awareness that has been able to be raised, because it is now talked about in several, if not many, lactation texts at this point, and there is the and there is the information on the web, we've been able to get a good group of mothers. They are all, you know, self-selected and self-diagnosing well, because, sure, but yeah, the research on it is so limited. But they're not making this up. I mean, no, they would not come to your website and say that they were having this if no. they weren't. People just don't do that kind of thing. And no. So, I guess I'm thinking, Alia, if this had ever happened to me, I think I might like not want to tell anybody because I would think, holy moly, they're going to, you know, send me off to the insane asylum because this is so crazy. Yeah. And, and that's why it's thought that the information didn't really come to light much sooner is as I started looking for answers and and getting loud and using my voice and saying, listen to me, I was able to start finding mothers who were kind of whispering like, oh my goodness, you, you too. I didn't yeah. tell anybody, you know, this mothers are often told they're going to feel euphoric when they breastfeed, they're going to feel warm and fun. And most, and most of them do. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. When, when it comes to think, when it comes to figuring out how many are effective, we have so much working against us to figure it out because you have mothers who don't initiate breastfeeding. 
you okay. have mothers okay. who initiate breastfeeding and give up in the first few days. Yep. You have yep. mothers who initiate breastfeeding and then maybe they don't like how it feels, but they don't stick with it long enough to figure out why and they quit. And DMER usually starts manifesting within the first four days to two weeks once lactogenesis, the last stage of lactogenesis starts. So, um, so moms have to stick with it for a while and get through all of the other initial breastfeeding struggles they may have to settle into breastfeeding and start realizing like, okay, I'm home. This is now going well. I'm not in pain. I feel really horrible every time I breastfeed. So we've already eliminated how many possible mothers to get them to that point. And then what if they don't speak up? What if they don't go to find sure. information? So I wonder if ever in the future of DMER, if we're going to be able to find an accurate study that would give us a percentage of how many mothers could be affected. I have been in contact with enough that I don't even call, I don't like to use the word condition and I don't like to call it abnormal. It may be a variation of a normal breastfeeding experience, albeit uncomfortable. So, Alia, if you had to put a number on it of the people that you've interacted with, would you say we're talking in the tens or the hundreds or the thousands? I would say that uh, between the between private emails and the numbers on Facebook, that it's at least a thousand. I have a support group on Facebook that is over 600 now. Um mm. And so, and I, I've been working with this for 10 years now and the Facebook group isn't even that old. So, um, a thousand is a safe number, but I can't keep, I can't keep counting anymore. That's for sure. sure. (laughs) Well, I want for people who are listening to understand you are not alone and you are not crazy. This really does happen. It doesn't happen to a lot of people, but it absolutely does happen. And don't think that you're nuts or that you're the only person. So Alia, what happens? All right. So let's say that you've got this dysphoric uh, milk ejection reflex uh, in the four to 14 days neighborhood. Then when does it resolve? Well, it can manifest in three different intensities uh, is the breakdown that ha- that has been distinguished based on the self-reporting mothers of mild, moderate, and severe. Mm-hmm. And the more mild it is, the sooner it will self-correct. And the sure. more severe it is, the longer it sticks around. So mothers who have more severe situations, um, perhaps they, to the point where they maybe even have suicidal ideation during the dysphoric experience, they sometimes, it can last, if they breastfeed long enough, it can last into the two to three year mark. Mothers who have more of mild cases often call it like a pang of homesickness or a moment of sadness. And I see those situations self-correcting within the first three to six months. Yeah, and we're going to talk more in the next segment about uh, the kinds of words and phrases and the sorts of signs and symptoms. Sure. Uh, that, uh, so we've got to dive into that a little bit deeper. But you're saying that while the mild ones may last some three to six months, the more severe ones are probably going to last longer. And as I understood it from your article, yours lasted a long time, yes? Yeah, I breastfed her till she was three and a half, and uh, we 
had DMER uh, up until basically the three-year mark, and then we had about six months of peace before I started having breastfeeding aversion. Uh, so, so yeah, uh-huh. it was a journey. And once you weaned her completely, did you still have it? No, uh, I do hear from some mothers who still feel like perhaps their milk supply is still slightly active or their hormonal mm. levels never quite re-regulated. Um, the, f- the, the feeling of DMER, the majority of mothers say that it's familiar, that they mm-hmm. remember feeling it sometime in their past. They can't really put their finger on it. Finger on it, yeah. The particular emotion is in the realm of the normal human emotional experience, but it is distinct and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are definitely times in my life where I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's how I used to feel before I breastfed. But it's not the same kind of sudden drop in recovery. It's more like, oh, I'm feeling a sense of dread because there's something going on in my life I want to pay attention to. Alia, we have only a few seconds left before we go to break. Just tell us quick, quick, did you have this with your first two children or just with the third? Just with the third. Very interesting, which tells us that even though you... There's no predicting who's going to get it and who doesn't. Hey, everybody, do not go away. This is a hugely interesting show. I'm Marie Biancuto. I am here with Alia Macrina Heiss. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, Alia Macrina-Heiss. Alia is here to talk with us about dysphoric milk ejection reflex, dysphoric letdown. And if you know the word euphoric, you know that is when you feel really, really good. And dysphoric is when you feel really, really bad. So, Alia, before we went to break, we were talking about the... uh, the fact that you had breastfed your first two children and had never experienced this, but did in fact with your third child. So I'm going to leap to the conclusion that it doesn't matter whether it's your first baby, second baby. Tell us a little bit about the people who have come to your Facebook group. Is there any pattern that you can identify? The one thing that has been seen is that it seems that once a mother experiences it with a child, she will experience it with subsequent children. Ah, Mm-hmm. As if perhaps there is some kind of biological breakdown that doesn't have a chance to recover. Mm-hmm. And talk to us about these symptoms because you've said that it's physical and emo- it's certainly physically based, correct? It, it is. Yes, in the in the brain and in the neurotransmitters yes. and the hormones. So yeah, if it's physiological is the way I usually explain it to yes. ease moms' minds uh, about the fact that they may be going through a psychological problem. Because since we're talking about emotions, a lot of moms think, well, maybe I need help. Maybe I need counseling. Maybe I need therapy. Uh, but it's something that's going to be out of out of their control, no matter how healthy their mental health is. This is something that is happening to them because of the neurotransmitters and chemicals. They're not just imagining it. No, they're not imagining it. And the milk ejection reflex is ultimately in control of it. (laughs) So talk to us about the physical feelings that people have when this happens. Well, it, by and large, first and foremost, is going to be an emotional reaction. There are mothers that sometimes do have odd physical reactions to let down. Mothers will complain of headaches or hives, and some mothers do talk about feeling nauseous with letdown. And that is one of the more misconstrued things with DMER because the emotions sit so heavily in the stomach with that sense of dread, something is wrong. It's in my gut, you know, I have a gut feeling. So some others will say they feel sick to their stomach, especially depending on their own emotional language and awareness. You know, it's, it's easier if you think even about kids when they feel worried, they'll say, I feel sick. 
Yes. So, and it can be safer for mothers to say, I feel nauseous versus letdown makes me feel sad and worried. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A a headache is permissible. Sad sad and worried kind of isn't permissible. Yeah. 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 Or the moms who have more extreme feelings like anxious or irritation. It's a scary thing to admit to somebody. But it is really important for the distinction to be the fact that she has this sudden drop in her emotional experience. There really are no physical cues when it comes to DMER. There doesn't have to be. She may, you know, if she's anxious enough, she might shake. You know, if she's Mm -hmm. sad enough, she may cry. But those are all going to be part of her of her emotions and her feelings and the way that her body portrays them. DMER itself, purely emotional. Sure. So how is this different from a postpartum depression? Because I can imagine some people thinking, oh, I must have postpartum depression. Yes. Postpartum depression that comes and goes. That's something that I Googled when I first started Mm. looking. Mm. Oh, interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's something that mothers consider, but postpartum depression is this continual low mood. It's hard to function in life. It's hard to get yourself in the shower. You lose joy for the things you normally enjoyed. You have a hard time connecting to your baby and your family. With DMER, aside from that dysphoric moment which happens with every letdown, a mother feels like herself. Um, There's there's no disruption. She can care for her baby. She can care for her family. She still is interested in her life and the things that bring her joy, except in that two-minute moment. Yes, and this is an important distinction because we've had a couple of expert guests on talking about postpartum depression, and they really emphasized how it's not just one bad day or one bad moment or one bad, it's it's continuous and sustained. Mm-hmm. And, and you're saying that, in fact, the uh, dysphoric milk ejection reflex is anything except it's only 60 to 90 seconds. So... Yeah. What kinds of words or phrases do people use that you've heard? Uh, Homesickness for the mild one is one that's just really interesting and unique because mothers come up with it on their own. It seems to be yeah. as, it seems to be associated. It's not a word that was ever handed to them. It's there's a familiar feeling, um, despair, hopelessness, uh, shame, irritation, mm. anxiety. Uh, rarely, but it happens, uh, anger, that's definitely, the, there, there, we, there is a breakdown of three different spectrums that we call despondency, anxious, and agitation. So the agitation spectrum is much less common, but it comes with feelings of extreme irritation and anger with the dysphoria. The most common is despondency, maybe as mild as homesickness or as strong as something like hopelessness, maybe even with, you know, suicidal ideation. Mm. Would you say they're tearful? Yeah, yes. There are definitely some moms who who will especially when it's not understood and they don't know what's going on. Once mothers can understand their emotional experience and can distract themselves or use mindfulness to get through it or remind themselves it's fleeting, that has been the most significant form of treatment that that has been found is the idea of education. And mothers don't have to spend so much time trying to read into their emotional experience and feeling even more upset by it. Absolutely. 
yet there is kind of this other side to the coin, which is when I read your article, it was my understanding that you had tried some positive affirmations. Now, I'm a big fan of positive affirmations. You know, when people come to my course and they're preparing for the IBLCE exam, uh, I always say to them, don't go around saying, I'm a bad test taker, I hate tests, blah, 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 because those are negative affirmations. Tell yourself, I'm a good test taker, I'm smart, I can do this. So it sounds like you were telling yourself uh, everything is okay, but in fact, that didn't work for you, right? Yeah, uh, it's really what I found ended up working the best was kind of the the mindfulness in accepting my emotional experience as it was. I would Mm. often try to use distraction techniques to pass the time as I got through it, but there was no talking myself out of it. And I also realized that trying to make sense of it and understand it and change something in my life so that I could feel better was futile. (laughs) Yeah, not going to happen. Right. So accepting the emotional experience as temporary and moving forward from there. Yeah. Now, I know that there is some possible explanation, speculation, whatever, about the role of oxytocin and dopamine. I suspect that most people here uh, don't want a chemistry lesson or a hormone (laughs) lesson, but can, can you break this down for us a little bit? Yeah, the best guess at this point is actually the relationship between dopamine and prolactin. So oxytocin is still off the hook right now as the feel-good hormone. Uh, Prolactin is what makes milk. And it has a relationship in every human body with dopamine. In order for prolactin levels to rise anytime for any reason that it needs to or wants to, dopamine levels do have to lower and kind of get out of its way. Dopamine's its gatekeeper is what they say. That's good word. Uh, And lower, you know, a lot of people know dopamine is like a happy, feel-good hormone, right? Yeah. And dopamine is when it acts accordingly to let prolactin go up, it doesn't seem to normally have an emotional disturbance. Uh, I believe that in a mother with DMER that dopamine is somehow acting inappropriately when prolactin goes to do its thing. Uh, So maybe the levels are dropping too far. Maybe they are falling too fast. Yeah. And because it's a neurotransmitter and it does recover pretty quickly, once prolactin is starting to go up, dopamine's like, all right, it's on its way. I can go back to my stable level. That's when a mom would kind of start to feel normal again until prolactin is like, I need to rise again. So they yes. have that they have that relation and dopamine being a mood stabilizer seems to not be stabilizing well. So Alia, if if we all know as as we do that prolactin is sort of it is responsible for the milk production, right. then then do these women have a higher or a lower uh, volume of milk or the same as anybody else? It can vary. There, there has been a trend to moms having higher supplies. But mm. the other thing that has to be kept into consideration is that a mother's supply, a supply is subjective to her view of it. That's true. That's true. So there may be mothers who feel like they ha- they struggle with supplies that may 
it, it's hard to say, but if there was a trend, it is to trend to trend that mothers have high supplies are more apt to have DMER, but it's, it, that's on shaky ground. <laughs> yeah. So in your understanding, science has not really got this nailed at all. No, not at all. Not at all. And so I guess that this really brings me to thinking about how, well, for instance, sometimes people have come out with these sort of really odd, the the headache comes to my mind. And I'm thinking, well, what do you mean you got a headache? But (laughs) and and, And then it sort of passes. And I've also seen women who just didn't like breastfeeding. And really, once I learned about the DMER, that sort of helped me to understand uh, maybe these people have got feelings that they, that would you describe it? And we've only got less than a minute here, but would you describe it as a very dark place that they feel for those 60 to 90 seconds? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's, uh, that is definitely something that, uh, it's hard can, to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to talk about. But I think the mindfulness helps you to get through that because we've all had spots in our life that we didn't like. But if we can sort of know that we can get through it, that's a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody, do not go away because Alia is probably the best expert on the planet to talk with us about what helps and what hinders the dysphoric milk ejection reflex. And she has found... Uh, foods, drugs, activities, whatever. We're going to unpack all of that to help you to figure out what could make this worse and what could make this better. Do not go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Alia Macrina Heiss. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk 
with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with... International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, Alia McQueena-Heiss. Alia, you have had both your own experience and you have helped other women through this dysphoric milk ejection reflex as well. And I want to give you the opportunity to talk about what helps and what hinders, which is what I just promised our listeners. But I want our listeners to understand very clearly that I am not authorized to prescribe, nor is Alia. We can give you some observations. We can tell you some things that are anecdotal or that might be observational or casual or whatever word you want to hang on it. But this does not mean that you should go out and do any of this stuff. This is not, repeat, not advice. So, Alia, tell us, what sorts of things help or hinder this dysphoric letdown. Sure. Well, with the theory that dopamine levels need some gentle supporting, and that's what it Mm. does seem to be, gentle Mm. supporting. Uh, There there are some initial conclusions that can be drawn with what we know about what helps support dopamine levels. And there are mothers out there who have tried some, some things that seem to help or alleviate. And when I do talk to moms about what they may try to help alleviate it, I always encourage them to talk to healthcare provider or an herbalist or somebody just because of my own scope of practice. Absolutely. Uh, vitamin D levels is something Ooh. to definitely keep into consideration. Some mothers find that supporting their vitamin D levels can help ease the severity of their DMER as well as their vitamin B levels. Uh, B12 complex supplements are something that mothers are really talking about and saying that they've found some relief in. And there is also a herb that mothers can look into with an herbalist. They can look at Sheila Humphrey's book uh, Uh that talks about lactation and herbs uh, to get information about, it's called rhodiola root. And that is something that can help support dopamine levels as well. On the 
Uh, uh, just a minute. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yes. Um, I want to back up a minute. You are using words like alleviate, mm. but you you are not using words like fix it completely. No, no, not right? well. And, it, and it, it depends on the mother's individual experience. If perhaps she has a more mild case, then maybe she'll feel like it fixes it completely. If it's more severe, she may feel like it just alleviates. There's no cure. There's no, you know, pill you can pop that takes it away at this point. Um, Education is what has definitely helped the most. And some moms who have really uncomfortable experiences are trying to find, you know, maybe they can get from moderate to mild or severe to moderate or something like that. Uh, With the things that I tried, I felt like I was able to take mine down from severe to moderate, depending on the day. So, yeah, alleviate, not fix. <laughs> uh, I really want to talk about the chocolate. What, what is, you talked about binging on chocolate ice cream, and I'm thinking, wow, this is sounding pretty good. So, yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's the deal with chocolate? Uh, we know that it has uh, the, um, the chemical that it does affect us somewhat like caffeine, but not the same. Uh, so, so talk about chocolate. We all like chocolate. <laughs> Back in the early days of DMER, I was the guinea pig uh, to see see what we could do that maybe affected it or didn't affect it when we were even still trying to key in on dopamine itself. And I happened to notice that if I had a chocolate ice cream binge night, that it alleviated my D- DMER. It's in the case study and not on the website because it's not sustainable. Mothers have how many letdowns per day. Right, um, right. And, <laughs> and when I noticed that binging on chocolate ice cream made my DMER better, it made it better for a nighttime feeding, like one. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so it's an interesting bit of information. It helped us understand the neurotransmitters a little better, but, you know... A B12 complex is a little more sustainable than a diet of chocolate ice cream, unfortunately. <laughs> but I, the other thing I would say is that many women have more than one letdown in a feeding. So you'd have to be sitting there eating your chocolate ice cream <laughs> with both hands, you know? Exactly. Uh, holy moly. Uh, what about some other things that help or hinder Uh, Well, the one last thing I want to mention about helping before going into hindering is the one prescription drug that some others have tried, um, and that is Welbutrin. Uh, uh And that is considered an antidepressant. It's the one that does support dopamine levels. A lot of the antidepressants for postpartum depression are for serotonin, and Welbutrin is one that focuses more on dopamine. A low dose if mothers have a healthcare provider who want to try it because, again, DMER, even in severe DMER, really only needs a nudge. So the, the lower dose Wellbutrin time-release caplets would be something that, that she could try. But it doesn't need a hammer. It, it's not, it doesn't seem to need anything heavy-hitting to help it correct, which is why so many moms seem to find some relief with some of the more natural remedies. Sure. Sure. Wow, this is just hugely interesting. Uh, what kinds of things have uh, hindered? Unfortunately, all of the things that a lot of new mothers are subjected to. Not enough rest and oh. a lot of stress, poor hydration, yeah. uh, 
all the things. That, so it's, it's hard because it really does seem to make a difference. If mothers can exercise, if they can get good sleep, if they can stay hydrated and keep their stress levels down, you know, mothers with slightly older infants that are to maybe prioritize these things because they have an amazing support system do say that it helps their DMER be more tolerable. But in the new days of breastfeeding, even with great support systems, it's really, really difficult. And it's the sort of thing where if you're feeling bad, DMER is just always going to take you lower. So Mm. if Mm. if you're having a bad day, you just you're going to feel worse than with DMER than you would feel on a good day. What did you do? Like in the moment, did you do deep breathing? Because it only lasts 60 to 90 seconds. Did you do some deep breathing or any of that stuff? Did any of that help? I, I often, and the majority of mothers go the direction of distraction. Uh, okay. You know, some of the threads on the Facebook support group is, what are you binge watching during DMER? <laughs> ah, ah, okay. So that's where a lot of moms do end up pulling out their phones. And some of them feel badly about it because they feel like they're not connecting with their baby. But I look at it and I think, even anthropologically, were breastfeeding mothers sitting down and staring and stroking at their infant while they breastfeed? No, they weren't. No. You know, they Uh were taking care Uh of other children. They were cooking. They were gathering their nuts and berries. So I try to tell moms, you know, if you're distracted while you breastfeed this, that's a normal breastfeeding experience, you know, (laughs) and mother and mothers have a chance to bond with their babies when they aren't breastfeeding. They, They can be present and they can be in the moment and they can have those exchanges when they're infants when they're not having a milk ejection reflex. And besides that, if it really only lasts 60 to 90 seconds, uh, you and I have probably not seen too many babies who can finish a feeding in <laughs> 60 to 90 seconds. So you've got plenty of time to do the, the whole bonding thing. I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean to demean that, but, uh, but rather to say that that distraction is really for a very short time. It is. The other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, mothers can have, depending on how long she's nursing, she can have up to 12 letdowns in a feeding. Mothers with severe DMER may feel almost every one of those. Though it seems that as the feeding progresses, the less severe it gets. A mother with mild DMER, maybe just the first one or two, and then she's okay. But there are some moms who feel like they're on a roller coaster throughout, you know, you know, especially if you're nursing a baby to sleep and you find yourself, if you're still sitting there 45 minutes later, that's a roller coaster. Uh, Alia, I don't know that we said this earlier, but I want to clarify. When you say the mother having a letdown, many mm-hmm. mothers think that they've got to actually have a baby on the breast. And I'm not getting that understanding from uh, DMER. It seems like they could maybe hear another woman's baby cry and have a letdown. Clarify that for us, please. Yeah, a lot of, especially moms with those really early uncontrollable milk supplies that just seem to be going nuts will understand that you can have a letdown even just because your breasts are too full. And and you can have a letdown because your oxytocin levels go up because your husband kissed the back of your neck. And you can have a letdown because you heard a baby cry. So this is not related to nipple contact or pumping or anything like that. It's related to the milk release being triggered, which can happen for all of the different reasons that it does. So what about the woman who is pumping? Does she experience a DMER? Yes, 
Yeah. And, and there are some mothers who feel that it, it, that it can be worse with the pump. And there are some mothers who feel really? like it. Yeah. Yeah. And we only really have speculative theories on that, that I'm hesitant to expand on. <laughs> sure. Sure. But the fact of the matter is, uh, She's not exempt if she's pumping. No, yeah. no, not at okay. all. Because again, uh-huh. it's re- it's related not to the baby, not to the nipple nipple contact. It's it, the the mother's biological hormonal chemical reaction. So a milk release is a milk release. So Alia, how about if the woman has had dysphoric premenstrual syndromes? Uh, I know that there's some literature around that. I don't know a whole, whole lot about that. But then are are they likely to have a dysphoric letdown? No, I haven't seen any connection to that because that seems to be more of a broader thing that talks about kind of an ongoing emotional disruption during that period of the month. Got um, it. Okay. There are mothers who describe similar experiences because this is very distinctive in how sudden it is and how quickly it recovers. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, listen, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I'm here with Alia Macrina Heist. Alia, we've talked a lot about the kinds of things that have triggered the dysphoric letdown, what it feels like. And for those who are in the audience, I would just like to say that uh, my friend and colleague, Barbara Wilson Clay, has talked about a mother that she bumped into that said that having more protein in her diet seemed to help her. Now, is there any science for that? Not a scrap, but it seemed to have helped her. So again, I think as we look at sort of those sustainable things, you know, the chocolate ice cream part is not going to work, but uh, look at how can you get better rest, better food, better protein, etc. cetera. Uh, the big question I have for you, Alia, is why don't women go for help? Uh, fear. <laughs> fear sure. and shame. Um, being uh, the mil- When women do speak to care professionals, unfortunately, a lot of women walking away with a diagnosis of post-mood disorder uh, because when a woman talks about feeling sad after she has a baby, that's what a doctor reaches for. And it's great that the postpartum depression is so much understood than it used to be and that women who struggle with that can get help and hopefully DMR will also just as well understood someday. But a mother's go in feeling like she is crazy. She's a freak. She's not going to be understood. She's going to be dismissed. Just a lot of fear overusing her own voice. And it's such a vulnerable time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Others are, are vulnerable. I, I truly cannot imagine having this. And I can't imagine talking about it because I would just feel like there must be something of the matter with me. I'm really kind of crazy here. Uh, so what would you say... We know that we have professionals. We have lactation consultants, nurses, physicians, midwives, doulas, all of those sorts of people who are listening today. What sort of advice would you give to them about how to help these women? Jensen, listening and and asking the the right questions. You know, if a mother does start, like you said before, mothers who just say, I don't like breastfeeding. Yeah. Is it painful? Is it feel uncomfortable? Is it a physical sensation? Is it an emotional sensation? Can you tell me why you don't like breastfeeding? I want to help and support mm-hmm. you. I want to hear you. Mm-hmm. So active listening, you know, we learn it in the beginning. And I believe that so many IBCLCs and lacta- lactation consultants are still, they still have that skill. 
Uh, yeah. Mothers yeah. usually seem to have more success talking to LCs than maybe they do their OBs because the special our specialty is breastfeeding. Uh, but mothers can sometimes feel shut down very quickly. I encourage mothers with DMER to go in armed with information. There are case mm. studies that can be printed out. There are handouts on uh, my website that can be printed out. Oh, nice. She can, she can talk about various, you know, breastfeeding texts, what page the doctor can look at and say, this is me. This is a thing. Here's the information. Please educate yourself because I'm struggling with this. And I want to be very quick to say, especially about physicians, physicians are most likely to respect the uh, insight and opinions of other physicians. And Dr. Ruth Lawrence, who has been publishing her book, uh, Breastfeeding, A Guide for the Medical Profession, uh, since about the late 70s or so, it's now in its eighth edition, and I looked it up just before the show. Of course, those of you who listen to the show know that I had the great opportunity to work with Dr. Lawrence, so of course I do favor that book. But she has absolutely, uh, how should I say, she has made in her book the dysphoric milk ejection reflex legitimate. Maybe that's <laughs> the word I'm looking for. It's she in there. Yeah, she makes it really clear. People are not making this stuff up, that it really is real, and that we don't know why it's real. We just know that it is real. And so I think that that's a really important point, Alia, is that yeah. uh, we go, as you say, armed. Uh, and that's a, great that you have got handouts. Most people probably don't have their their finger on Dr. Lawrence's book, but I'm telling you, it's there. And uh, I will also tell you that it's in Barbara Wilson Clay's book, uh, The uh, Breastfeeding Atlas. So uh, are there any other tips that you could suggest in terms of, other than good listening skills, anything else? For the healthcare professional working yeah, with a yeah. with DMER? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it is about the, it's about the affirmation and the validation. Um, um, mm-hmm. Mothers just want to feel like they're not crazy, that they're not being brushed off. Ooh, just I like, like that you word. said. Yeah, validation. Like you said earlier, yeah, this is real. Like that's that's a very powerful thing for a mother DMER to be able to hear. And even being able to hear that from other mothers, which is mm-hmm. one reason why the Facebook support group is so active. A beautiful group of mothers. I don't have to do any moderation. They are so kind <laughs> and compassionate and caring towards one another. And they just, they, they just want to talk about it and they want to feel understood. No, no doubt. Alia, tell us about your website and I believe you have a new publication coming out. Tell us about both, please. I do. So, uh, www.d-mer.org. The hyphen is important. If it's not there, it takes you somewhere else. Um, <laughs> and it's going to be getting. It's going to be getting a, a little makeover before my ebook comes out. So I am working on an ebook. It's in the editing process right now, so it should be out by the end of the year. It will be available on Amazon. Um, I am active on Twitter and Facebook, so announcements about all of that sort of stuff goes out there. So hopefully, well, hopefully nobody actually has this, but in case they do, uh, it sounds like your publication is not available yet. It's an ebook, but it sounds like uh, getting on your Facebook should be maybe step one for people like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All righty. Uh, I'm there as Alia Macrina. I'm Alia. sorry. I'm, yes. 
Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Alia, in the very short time that we have left, I know that you have three children and you had this dysphoric letdown with your last child. I don't know if you have other children, but if you were to have another baby tomorrow morning, would you go ahead and breastfeed even though you know you would be facing the dysphoric milk ejection reflex? Without a doubt. (laughs) (laughs) well i just always really want people to understand that it's like anything else you just got to get yourself through it but it is absolutely worth it at the end i would yeah i wouldn't take it back for anything wow well this has been hugely interesting uh Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening today to Alia Macrina-Heiss. It has been a real pleasure to have you with us, Alia. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Truly, without you, we do not have a show. And I would like to invite you to visit us every week and listen to Born to be Breastfed. If you're interested in the books or other media that was mentioned on this show or even on previous shows, check out our Amazon store. Mine is at borntobebreastfed.com. You'll see it. Again, that's borntobebreastfed.com for the books and media or my blog or whatever. Uh, If you are listening, come to my Facebook. There's plenty for everybody. Feel free to leave a question for me or Alia or any of our previous guests. And remember, like us while you're there. If you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education. Visit me at my professional website. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.